This is Tush. And I welcome you to Tushalicious Talk, an Oklahoma City podcast for titillating women, tantalizing conversation. And I thank you in advance for allowing me to be your one-stop shop advocacy connection. Hey, 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 welcome back to the podcast of the one and only me. My nickname is Tush. My real name is Jackie Lynette. And in the intersectionalities of life, I am the co-president of the League of Women Voters of Oklahoma County. Outside of that, I attempt to do my fair share of advocacy work in Oklahoma. So for today's episode, I am welcoming Chelsea Abner, who is from war, which stands for We Are Rising, war. <laughs> I love it. And then we also have Tamaya Cox Ray, who is from Oklahoma's ACLU. And what we are discussing today is um, an episode on pregnancy kills Black women up to four times more than white women. Um, and this is the, we're going to discuss Oklahoma's grade on healthcare. Um, and then we also have Toya, who is our reoccurring monthly guest on the second Tuesday. And she is taking advocacy information back to the business world in an effort to make a better Oklahoma. Um, and so I met, met Chelsea not too long ago, maybe about a week ago now via text message. This is my first time seeing her in person. This is my first time seeing Tamaya in person as well. Um, and so as we were texting back and forth, um, she was telling me about the mission and the goal of war. And um, we ended up talking about this book called Hood Feminism by Mickey Kendall um, that I had read a couple of summers ago. And I felt like it kind of aligned with what war is attempting to accomplish. Um, and I was telling her that as far as the black community goes, we differentiate, especially black men, differentiate white feminism versus black feminism. And there's kind of this underlying tone that white feminists have used black feminists. So uh, in the past, in an effort to help white women cross the, the glass ceiling. Um, so that being said, I am all for us working together. Um, and I would like for you to tell us more about, you know, your side of that conversation and what is the mission of We Are Rising? What are your goals? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity to be here and speak with you all today. Um, this is my first podcast, so <laughs> uh, bear with me. Um, so We Are Rising is a group of women that kind of started after Dobbs, and it was after a pickleball game, and they um, felt motivated to get together and mobilize and kind of get involved as far as uh, reproductive freedoms and healthcare and with what was going on currently in our elections in our state of government. And um, this group of women came together and they were pretty influential with uh, the DA's race and Vicki Behenna's and then um, bringing me on and starting an advocacy organization to kind of work with partners like the ACLU and Tamaya with who have great knowledge and leadership within this area and all of the above. But one thing um, you and I discussed is we all know we have a certain amount. We have great privilege and with great privilege comes great responsibility. Mm -hmm. And so that is something we have all um, accepted and we want to grow and, and learn more into that. And we also want to spread this into rural Oklahoma. So we want to not only uh, be the voice of, you know, why are our laws so extreme when we are not? So they should be a representation of us. Yeah. So we are really coming to the table as a moderate voice that mm -hmm. collectively wants to represent 
Mm -hmm. um, women mm -hmm. all together. Mm -hmm. And we want to engage those women to let them know their voice also has power and to educate. Yes. And a lot of times people won't educate themselves. So we want to go to you and we want to provide you the supports and resources and tools. And we want to let you know you're valuable. And um, so I appreciate you being here and or letting me be here. And I'm super excited to learn from you all and to carry your message and, and to use you all so, to move platforms. the needle. Yeah, yes, to move, move the needle the in the right direction. Together. Yeah, I'm happy. I'm so happy. Yeah, like I say, let's get it popping. Let's keep <laughs> it pushing. Um, and so next we have Tamaya cox Teray, and I have come across her many, many times in the nonprofit realm of Oklahoma County, Oklahoma City, so forth. But this is my first time meeting her in person as well. Um, and so... Um, I did want to point out that the ACL has signups, um, the text code, if you have, if you'll give us that text code. And then also, you know, let us know what your role is in the fight for women's health care here in Oklahoma. For sure. Well, first, thanks for having me. Um, I appreciate this. I love a platform that's getting out to the people, talking to the people. And uh, anytime we can talk to the community, that's where I think we're going to make our greatest strides in trying to move Oklahoma forward. Um, for the ACLU, we are a civil liberties um, organization. We've been around for over 100 years with really the main focus is how to protect civil liberties. Um, in some states where we call maybe a little bit more blue, th their kind of mission is to promote. But we're in Oklahoma and we have to be real. And we're trying to protect the civil liberties of all Oklahomans, regardless of where they may um, live in the a political atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And so for us, we've really been on the forefront and um, around reproductive health care. And when I say reproductive health care, I specifically mean abortion. Sometimes we have a lot of organizations and a lot of folks that are scared to say the word abortion for whatever reason. But we really want to focus on normalizing abortion. Abortion is part of basic health care. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, how I got into this space is because my whole career, I've been, um, I'm your attorney who's never been in the courtroom. I've only done policy. And I really fought hard for Black liberation. And we can't get to liberation if we don't have control over our bodies. And that's what makes me um, fight as hard as I do for um, reproductive health care. But the role is different. I'm very fortunate in, in my career. I've worked for the ACLU on the legal side and on the policy side, but I've also worked for Planned Parenthood to be able to um, help create um, an organization, a strong or organization that's providing this um, needed health care. So I've got to see both sides and really how they differ in their missions, but really ultimately trying to ensure that Oklahomans have basic healthcare needs mm -hmm. because that's how we get to liberation. That's how we get to justice and equality if we all have this even footing of just being healthy. That's right. That's right. Um, I, I commend you. I And funny that you say you've never been in a courtroom, you want to be political. My daughter wants to be a political, a policy lawyer. Let's go. So, yeah, <laughs> let's go. Um, so, um I had a conversation with Toya as well, um, and I was the facts I'm going to read here in a second are from csctulsa.org forward slash black dash mental dash health. Um, but what I was telling her is that um, I feel like in the black community, there's a stigma that people are getting abortions just because they are, you know, lazy so-and-sos and they are irresponsible and so forth and so on. 
Um, but I was telling Toy that it goes deeper than that for black women. Henceforth, the, the title of today's episode, which is Pregnancy Kills Black Women Up to Four Times More Than White Women. And it's especially true in Oklahoma. Um, I did try to locate the article that I had read previously, but I couldn't find it. But I promise you guys, I read that Oklahoma is smack on the top for um, maternal um, morbidity Mm -hmm. as far as a woman being pregnant and actually dying. So I feel like just being a black woman, we need to make it more heard, especially to the younger generation that simply by being black, by being a woman and getting pregnant, you have increased your chances to die because you live in Oklahoma. And so that being said, let's go ahead and, and uh, move forward to the conversation. Um, so for the CDC facts, do you want to start there, Tamaya, or do you want me to start there? Why don't you go ahead and start there? But I think we can talk about the Oklahoma context within that. Sure. So black women's maternal mortality has remained higher than white women's risk for the past six decades. Maternal mortality is defined by the World Health Organization as the death of a woman while pregnant or within 42 days of termination of pregnancy, irrespective of the duration and the site of pregnancy from any cause related to or aggravated by the pregnancy or its management, but not from accidental or incidental causes. And then black women are also more likely than white women to experience complications that are pregnancy or birth related. And in Oklahoma, black women account for 10 percent of the births statewide, but we make up 22 percent of all maternal deaths. Also, according to the CDC, black women experience pregnancy related deaths three to four times the rate of a white woman. A growing body of evidence indicates that stress from racism, racial discrimination, influences maternal mortality and morbidity among Black women, regardless of their socioeconomic education or health status. Despite advances in medical technology and increased spending on health care, maternal mortality has increased for all women in the U.S. So it's not just in Oklahoma, but I'm specifically talking about Oklahoma because that's where we are. Approximately 700 women die each year during pregnancy or delivery-related complications. Right. I think we just have to sit with those numbers for a bit because when we talk about um, banning abortion, and I'll I'll make the circle back, but when we talk about banning abortion, we have to talk about the opposite of that that is forced birth. And when we have numbers like these, this indicates why so many um, Oklahomans may be fearful of just being pregnant in a state that lacks adequate prenatal care, that lacks adequate OBGYN care. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it's all connected. And I think what we, when we think about these statistics, right, we know that it is inherent in those about um, white supremacy, right, is inherent because we don't get to these statistics without talking about the implicit bias that happens in medicine, right? That when we talk about when women, when specifically Black women and Black folks capable of being pregnant are having conversations with their doctors, um, they're, most, they're sometimes ignored. Right. Um, and that all plays the role in these horrible statistics and how do we get past that? So if we don't talk about just the implicit bias that happens in medicine overall, um, then we're missing a, a key point. And it's no surprise that in Oklahoma, we, uh, Oklahoma recently received an F minus in um, a health, in um, a grade regarding healthcare. 
Mm. Um, they used a few different methodologies. They looked at um, the expansion of Medicaid, which we do have. Mm-hmm. They looked at OBGYN care. They looked at um, sex, sex education, which we do not have. Um, we do not do very well. So they looked at a whole list of things. And after listing those things, including our total abortion ban, um, this um, entity gave Oklahoma and other states an F because we're not doing well by Oklahomans by providing just adequate basic health care. And that has nothing to do with pregnancy. That's pregnancy or not. Correct. We uh, black people just mm-hmm. automatically. I mean, I, I even hear a lot of people say, I mean, I ain't going to the doctor. Mm-hmm. And you can even relate that back to the Tuskegee experiments. Mm-hmm. Black people have a mistrust of doctors exactly. and it's not made up. Exactly. Were you going to say something? I said definitely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so from from your experience in going to the doctors, is there ever a time that you've had where you purposely were like, I'm not going to the doctor? Yes, yes. actually. It has been several times. Um, I have a lot of injuries that caused me to have surgeries and things like that. So I've been to a lot of doctors. Um, and I had an experience with a doctor who actually told me that my pain would go away if I lost weight. And... And she's not that big, y'all. It kind of hit me the wrong way. I'm like, well, um, I won't be coming back to you uh, because that didn't that didn't sit right with me. Um, We have to find more professional doctors out here, and it's not very many of them now. And not even just the more professional, just make them aware of these issues. Which one way we can do that is through legislation. So if you'll give us a couple of the legislative um, updates as far as even across the country, what's going on as far as the, the ACLU is concerned. For sure. And I and I think it's really important. A lot of people we hear, at least in my work, is that people, I don't want to be political. I don't care about what's happening. It's so important to know that every aspect of just being is political, mm-hmm. right? Just being a Black woman in Oklahoma is political, Getting a great education, access to adequate health care, access to clean water. It is all political because policies play such a role in how those outcomes are shaped. So across the country, after we lost abortion access, and keep in mind, Oklahoma was the first state in the country to lose abortion access. Mm. Not because of the overturning of Roe v. Wade, but because of local policy that was um, implemented um, in in, uh, May. And so we are the first state to really see the true changing and the true losing of access and what that looks like. But across the state, um, or excuse me, across the country, um, when the Dobbs decision came down, over 20 states um, immediately or almost immediately lost abortion access. And what that means really truly is a true healthcare crisis because people who had to end their pregnancies for whatever reason were stranded and stuck onto what to do next. Many people were having to travel million miles, not million, were having to travel 100 miles away Mm -hmm. just to get basic adequate care, whether they were ending their pregnancy because they just wanted to or even because of a medical need, they were having to have to find an access state, which is not right? The country, the America, the United States that I think many of us envisioned, right? Right. For the first time, uh, we had less rights, you know, that day than we did just the previous day. Right. For Oklahoma, we have less rights than our neighbors in Kansas. And that should mean something to every single Oklahoman, regardless of how they feel about abortion. 
But the state of abortion access um, is very different on our coastal states. Um, in some of our quote-unquote liberal states, abortion access is still thriving. And even more so because many people that, um, specifically in the South and the Midwest region that lost access, is now having to travel. Um, so we are seeing kind of explosions of um, care being handed um, in our kind of access states and our coastal states. But what we're also seeing and learning um, through the loss of abortion access is that people who never thought they would need an abortion, who never even thought about what an abortion was or how to impact their lives, are begin being on the forefront of because they are having pregnancies that are not viable. They are having gen genetic abnormalities um, being found out in the 17th week of pregnancy, but nothing can happen in Oklahoma because of our laws. And most importantly, because they're so poorly written, doctors' hands are tied. And they just don't know. They're like, can I perform this abortion? Is it a medical emergency? Um, I don't know. And I don't want to get sued or I don't want to be, you know, arrested. So in fairness to them, they're just saying we're not going to do it in fear of the repercussions. And now people are trying to figure out, well, this pregnancy, if I continue, is going to kill me. What do I do? Right. 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 So you were spot on. It might as well be a million miles away. True. Access to health care then. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very true. I, I saw uh, you shake your head. Yes, Chelsea, when she said that the, they're poorly written. Have you guys talked about that? Um, oh, at we are rising. Absolutely. Um, and especially, you know, a lot of uh, the medical community and, and women that are part of the medical community are members of our organization. And we know OBGYNs that have left. Um, the state the, of Oklahoma that have left the profession and all the above. And then I personally have friends that practice this kind of medicine and they um, took a Hippocratic oath to to do this work. And they feel they are going to be criminalized for yeah. simply providing basic health care mm -hmm. to their patients, their service. Yes. And so and there is no protection and it is such a gray area and you just never know which way it will land or where it will fall. And that is part of the reason why We Are Rising really stepped up to the plate when it came um, to the Oklahoma County District Attorney race, because we knew the importance of how leadership in that role would interpret certain laws. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So as far as legislation goes, what are the legislative updates that, that ACLU is working on? For sure. So in regards to abortion specifically, um, I, I went into the session thinking, what more can they do? They've taken away this fundamental right from us. What more they can? What more can they do? And then we really started to think um, collectively about oh, there's still a lot more they could do. There could be consisting of travel bans that would prohibit um, Oklahomans from leaving the state if they are going to access an abortion. Mm -hmm. So go to a state where abortion is legal. Um, there was a fear because we saw that in Missouri last year. There was a bill introduced that was going to prevent Missourians from traveling. We were afraid we were going to see some type of uh, kind of First Amendment rule where they weren't going to allow people just to even say the word abortion, which sounds so extreme, what? right? Like that, that's the reaction. But we've already seen that happen. We saw that with the Trump administration through their global gag rule and their local gag rule. So these weren't ideas that we were just kind of thinking, oh, maybe pie in the sky. These were true policies where we've seen language. Um, thankfully... This, we have not seen that play out in our Oklahoma session, um, but that doesn't mean it's off the table. So right now we do have um, at least one 
abortion-related bill um, and some exceptions. It clarifies the exceptions. So we do in Oklahoma have exceptions of for if a person has been raped or um, a survivor of incest, if they report to law enforcement, mm-hmm. um, then they should be able to access an abortion. Or if it's a medical emergency, but but right, but if we're talking about this intersection of blackness, mm-hmm. that you are now making people, specifically black folks, folks of color, um, victims of and survivors of rape or incest, to now interact with law enforcement, we already have seen what those lo- those interactions mm-hmm. could happen yes. in Oklahoma, right? Mm-hmm. Oklahoma City is one of the top um, cities of of police killings of innocent people, mm-hmm. right? So. Mm-hmm. So the fact that we now would create and require this interaction, that's probably for another podcast day. But (laughs) but right, so that's kind of what we're seeing. So that, I mean, thankfully that is the only quote unquote abortion related. We do have some other good reproductive health care bills that are kind of making their way in Chelsea. I don't know if you really want to talk about those or not. We've seen some around um, just clarifying, um, again, what a medical emergency was, We've seen some around um, even um, it just ensuring that birth control could be protected. I think that was naturally what people were afraid of, that there are certain birth controls that many anti-abortion um, legislators consider abortions or abortifacients. And thankfully, we do have some good legislation that straight up protects that. Um, but it's still tough and it's still difficult at the Capitol. Um And more importantly, if you truly believe in bodily autonomy, which I think many of us see abortion care under, then we've got to talk about the anti-trans bills as well. Mm. Those bills that are prohibiting gender affirming care. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. That's bodily autonomy. That is very much a reproductive justice um, issue. Uh, We do trans justice is economic justice. It's racial justice and it's reproductive justice. And and to see these gender affirming care bans go through is extremely tough because it's taken the same trajectory, the same path that our abortion, anti-abortion yep. laws took. Yep. Yep. I saw uh, one state, it might have been Missouri, I don't know, they've already banned um, uh, gay marriage, LGBT marriage all the way already. Trying to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do you have, go ahead, I'm sorry, Toya. I don't understand how people can just... Right. Tell people how to live. How to live. Mm-hmm. How to live. How mm-hmm. you, like, and it's your body. How do you tell me that I can't? Yeah. That's just like telling me that I can't cut my hair. Mm-hmm. Well, the hypocrisy yeah, you of freedoms. It's crazy. <laughs> like, yeah. it's the hypocrisy of freedoms. And, and they, uh, a lot of people want to advocate for freedoms that actually are not, mm-hmm. <laughs> in my opinion, mm-hmm. free, they have access. They have this, their common sense laws. And, we want to have a conversation about common sense laws regarding just our body mm-hmm. and our basic health care. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think where we are rising also is beneficial when it comes to policy and relationships is we are very realistic that we know certain doors will be open to me mm-hmm. or they will not be open to, to mine. Mm-hmm. Right. I will be invited yep. to sit at the table and have certain conversations where a lot of people are not invited. And so that is why um, working with you all and learning from you all and taking this information and again, education and knowledge is power. And I think a lot of times um, people in power who want to maintain power love ignorant people Mm -hmm. and they want to keep ignorance. And so that is why 
we are rising really believes in education and engagement and rural Oklahoma, we're coming to mm-hmm. talk to you too. So I, I think uh, that's a lot of the force behind these uh, quote unquote voucher bills that are not voucher bills anymore, but yeah, it's about, you know, have, providing better education. But um, yeah, even as far as the hair goes, there's, there's still are discrimination laws as far as hair goes. And even I want to say, um, AJ Pittman had put in a bill about not discriminating against black hair. So that's very much still on the table as well, you know, as far as discrimination goes, because we should not have to ask anybody permission for how we want to wear our hair to or a job interview. For and, that matter. Yeah, that's right. And as far as getting invited to the table, your hair could cause you to not get invited to the table because of the, the people in power don't like it. And much to my ignorance, because my hair would never be an issue. It wasn't until I was working at another nonprofit and um, Bailey Perkins came in and did inclusion and diversity and talked about that. And and it was like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Your hair. And so that, again, is where I feel we have a platform for women with great opportunity who would never, ever think, oh, this is a problem. Well, you know what? Let's address it. Let's have a conversation. You can't change what you don't acknowledge. That's right. That's and right. so I think um, there's a lot of learning for all of us. All of us. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, I, I was reminded, too, of um, when you were talking about legislative bills. Have y'all ever seen that bro choice that Senator Connie Johnson was on? <laughs> it's so hilarious. People Google bro choice Senator Connie Johnson. Do you remember the guy's, the comedian's name that she John did John Stewart, with? the same one that just did um, Nathan Dom. Yes, it was one of his co-workers that actually did it. But it, if you Google John Stewart with it, it'll pop right up for you. And so what basically she had wrote this bill that was basically like... Um, you know, if if women can't have full control of their body and we're trying to talk about when actual life comes about, then men are not allowed to to waste their, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so it, it, why can't we make it a law that they're not allowed to waste their um, potential life form? If we're going to be eliminated from what we can do, they should be eliminated as well. So that's what the whole thing is about. I promise you guys Google it. It's about six or seven minutes long. It's hilarious, though. But on that note, do you have any of the um, updates as far as the transgender transgender bills or the abortion bills or whatever? Anything that you would like to share from the ACLU? Um, if you can share those with us right now, I'd love that. For sure. So we definitely are in community with so many different organizations opposing the gender affirming care bans. And while these bans, they range from um, minors being unable to um, take any type of gender affirming care ban. So that goes from all the way from any type of um, medicine they may need or the testosterone, so hormone replacement therapy, all the way to um, gender affirming care that includes surgery. Um, However, we also have another bill that goes further and says any person, right? Adults too, if any public money goes toward, any taxpayer money goes toward gender-affirming care, then it's prohibited. Wow. And including health insurance. So what have we just done? We've, all, we've just thrown young folks under the bus, mm-hmm. right? Because apparently they're not a- capable of making decisions in conjunction with their parents and their doctors, the medical experts, because we have an Oklahoma legislature that believes they know best. And now we have people who probably couldn't afford the the care they need mm-hmm. without insurance help. Right. 
Um, so we've thrown poor folks under the bus and we've thrown young folks under the bus. And that is the, the standard of the Oklahoma legislature that continues to perpetuate why we all have to be involved and all have to be a part of it. So those are the um, those are those are the types of legislation we really don't know. We just had our first big um, deadline last week, so we have an idea of kind of what bills are moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't know at this moment like what is going to be the end all be all. Mm-hmm. But I will say, and I'm excited to say, and we re- we never say this. Um, whenever we look at legislation. As far as the ACLU, we always contemplate if we're going to challenge or sue the state based on it. And we always wait until after. But I am happy to announce that the ACLU, with our national office and Lambda Legal, have already committed to filing a lawsuit against any gender-affirming care ban that goes through. Because we know that this is life-saving care. Mm -hmm. And any delay in challenging this could be the lives of Oklahomans for whatever reason. That's right. And that's That's not right. Thank you. That's too much for us. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. And yes, I'll circle that back to um, (laughs) the Black community. If you don't know, April is National Minority Health Month. Um, And again, the statistics that I read were from csctulsa.org forward slash black dash maternal dash health. April 11th through 17th is specifically Black Maternal Health Week. Um, And so I'm hoping to try to find someone here in Oklahoma County to to talk about um, black health care and not only just abortions, but I would like to talk about, you know, breastfeeding and um, how to get your doctor to actually hear you when you go to the doctor and things like that. So um, I'm definitely looking forward to April coming and to see what the end of the legislative season, what's the law, what's not the law. Um, but also don't forget, um, Tamaya, to give us that text code. And then if you could both, or even in you as well, Toya, give us what your websites are, um, and how um, not just the League of Women Voters, but anyone who is listening can help to your organization to move forward. So definitely tell your listeners, go to ACLUOK.org. And that is actually where they will be able to sign up to uh, make sure that they are part of a rapid response team. Also encouraging because of the reality of what's happening um, regarding protesting in our, in our state. We're also encouraging folks to download our Smart Justice app. This is an app that will allow for folks that if there's any interactions with the police, that they can hurry and um, record the interaction and it will immediately go to the cloud and we'll be able to see that interaction if someone believes something wrong is happening. Awesome. So ACLUOK.org is the best place to get all the information. That's dope. (laughs) Chelsea? Yes. And wearerisingok.org is our website. We are currently in the process of trying to give that a little bit of a facelift and a renovation. Um, I just came on like a week or two ago. So, <laughs> and baby steps. Um, so, uh, but we do have call to actions. You can also sign up for our email there. And one um, area that we also are really focused on and as well as reproductive healthcare and freedoms is the ballot initiative, because that is a way to take away people's power and their voice and, and their say and what they want. And again, it goes back to why are our, laws so extreme when we're not. Mm -hmm. And so this is when people come to the table and they don't want extremism anymore in their state. This is a way to silence them. And so we are very much monitoring that kind of situation. And Senate Bill 518 did um, move yesterday off of the floor. And that is something that uh, 
we want to make sure everyone is just, it's on their radar and they're aware of. And um, there are lots of other great organizations out there that will have information and call to actions as well on that. Yeah, I, I called my legislators on Senate Bill 518 yesterday. So thanks for the update. I hadn't uh, heard the update yet. Um, but for your advocacy needs, if you need something custom made, we have Joe May Customs. Go ahead. Joe May Custom Creations. Um, our website is jomaycc.store. Um, we have some new products coming up, so follow me, Joe May CC, on every platform that you could think of. Um, I am there. And we also have some events coming up. Um, Chronic Palooza, we will be there as a vendor. So join us. Please, please, please join us. Um, and, uh, I'll be announcing some new launches and new products and things like that. So follow me. Awesome. 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 As always follow the League of Women Voters of Oklahoma County. And we have the vote for what county clerk and school board elections coming up on April the 4th. So start paying attention to that. I will get that updated on our website shortly. Um, and other than that, thank you for joining us. Have a great Thursday. Thank Bye. Thank you. Tushalicious Talk is part of the Breaking Ice, Building Bridges community podcast platform brought to you by Possibilities, Inc.